clear, perfect pitch voice, my mother decided I was tone deaf like my father. Because when I could not hit the note of a hymn, I shifted into a different key. As a result, she decided that unlike my three other siblings, I should not be given piano lessons because my tin ear would make it a waste of time and money. And then my grandmother. I remember the soul-expanding feeling I had when, as a first grader, I first experienced puppy love. On the way home from school, in my excitement, I stopped by my grandmother's house to tell her I was in love with Frankie. She was utterly undone and told me that loving and marrying Frankie just wasn't possible. And by the way, it was not because Frankie was a boy. Frankie was the cutest blonde girl in first grade, at least as I saw it, and she was the best jump roper to boot. But grandmother was horrified because Frankie was a Roman Catholic, and in her West Virginia Baptist way, she just didn't have space for me to love someone who wasn't a Protestant. The Jesus we meet at the beginning of today's gospel was just as human in his prejudgments and assumptions as my mother and grandmother. He had a picture in his mind and his heart of what was right and what was wrong, who was worthy of God's favor and who wasn't. And he seems also to have had an assumption about where and with whom God wanted the Messiah, the anointed one, to focus his energy, his ministry, his love. And a Syrophoenician woman was not on the list of the worthy, nor was she among those he assumed were to be within the bounds of the community that he called the kingdom of God. She was of another kingdom, not God's. Some modern scholars have seen her as triply excluded from Jesus' original sense of his mission excluded because she was a woman, excluded because she was a Gentile, a pagan believer in false gods, and excluded because she was of a people who were hereditary enemies of Jews. Remember, it was Antiochus Epiphanes IV, the ruler of Syria, Phoenicia, after the breakup of Alexander's empire, who overran Jerusalem and was responsible for, get this, the ultimate desecration of sacrificing a pig on the altar in the temple's holy of holies. And so, though she begs Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter, Jesus refuses by putting her in her place, saying, let the children, in other words, the children of Israel, be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. In effect, he dismisses this woman who has asked for his help as a dog. Notice he doesn't even speak directly to her. He speaks over her as if she were merely one of a pack of dogs unworthy of his attention. And by the way, some have tried to soften Jesus' response and rescue him from his cutting response by saying that the Greek word for dogs really means puppies. No dice, I'm afraid. He refers to her as a dog. And in his culture, unlike ours, dogs were not beloved pets. 
They were despised and spurned because they ran in wild packs, scavenging what they could at the edge of human settlements. And she knows that's what Jesus means because her witty reply plays off this very understanding of dogs. She says, in effect, that Jesus is right. But, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. It's as if she says, you're right, Jesus. I'm scavenging for whatever I can get for my daughter, even if it is a mere crumb of your attention, your healing ministry, your love. And something snaps inside of Jesus. A miracle happens. And it is every bit as great a miracle as Jesus' healings of others. He is healed. As in the story that follows this one, and that we also heard this morning, something opens up inside Jesus. Her word, it's a bad translation to say her saying, her word changes him. The pagan woman, the pagan enemy's word changes God's word made flesh. For the Greek here that is used in this story is logos, the very exalted word that John's gospel uses of Jesus when it says the word, God's word, became flesh and dwelt among us, God's logos. Something changes in Jesus and opens up. His ministry pivots, and he not only heals this woman's daughter, but his self-understanding undergoes a revolution. It is as if Jesus hears God speaking to him through this pagan woman. She becomes God's word to him, God's logos. And he realizes that he was wrong about the scope of his mission. He was not sent just to the children of Israel. He is not to be God's word, God's Messiah, God's savior and redeemer for just one part of God's creation. He is opened up to the awesome possibility, the awesome reality that he has been sent to her and she to him. He has been sent to her people and to all the people of the earth. So what triggered Jesus' widened heart? What broke open the stoniness of his heart? Well, we can never be sure because Mark's gospel doesn't tell us what Jesus thought and felt. But I will tell you where my imagination has taken me when I ask just what happened here to break Jesus open. I imagine that for a moment, the picture of a dog under the child's table reminded Jesus of some of the first words from God in the first book of his scripture, his Bible, and ours. I imagine that Jesus glimpsed the shattering truth that Genesis proclaims, the mind and heart-rending truth that everything that is, everything that exists, yes, even despised dogs and feared pagan enemies were made by God and declared good, even very good. 
for that anvil chorus of Genesis chapter 1 keeps sounding a kind of first covenant of love and goodness. That God made everything that is, even things and people we fear, even things and people we assume are not worthy, even things and people we assume are not worth investing time and energy in because they are tone deaf or of a different religious group with a different set of values from ours. But they were all made by God and all declared good by God. And if they were made by God and declared good by God, then who are we to call them anything less? They are worthy of attention, of ministry, of love. And if all we can give at first is a crumb of our attention, our ministry, or our love, then that is a starting place. And from it can grow a kingdom of love that will break open our hearts and every heart until we and those we treat as the despised dogs of our world are one and united at the throne of the one who is God's word, willing to welcome us too who have been wrong and close-minded and hard-hearted. And there we will all eat at one table and none will have to scavenge for mere crumbs. Because the love of God is pure compassion, pure, unbounded love, thanks be to God. So who will be the one this week who will speak, who will be God's word made flesh for you? Who will be your Syrophoenician woman? Who will break open your closed mind and heart and mine and widen the love of our hard hearts? Be assured of this, she will stand before you. She may be wordless or she may speak. Maybe she's right here now. Finish then in us thy new creation, love divine, so we may, not just in heaven, but here, here, be lost in wonder, love, and praise at your great love and work together with you to live that love. Amen.